Cue the song. Hello there, ladies and gents. Welcome to 1000 Greatest Misses, the music podcast that shines a light on 1000 undiscovered, obscure, and underappreciated songs that hit all the marks but failed to chart. On today's episode, we'll highlight songs by Riggs, The Rave Ups, Royal Court of China, Roman Holiday, and The Rods. Find us at 1000greatestmisses.buzzsprout.com or your podcast app of choice. I'm Paul Hines, along with Christopher Gray, the music-obsessed record store guy with way too many songs stuck in his head. Hey, Chris. Hey, Paul. I met a guy yesterday who's a record collector. He's a doctor who buys records and he's into stuff, and he had gone down rabbit holes that I haven't gone down. A lot of jazz um, 78 blues recordings, pre-war stuff. Wow. And then he also had a, um, like a cylinder phonograph. He bought the player knowing that most of the stuff that was put on these cylinders was pop stuff that he would not be interested, kind of swing era stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knows of at least 20 recordings that he wants on that format. So he's going to go down that rabbit hole too. Uh, very eclectic stuff and things that I've, not dipped my toe in and probably won't, but I appreciated it. I can't tell you how many times we've gotten calls about record collections that had 78s in them. And 78s are a pain in the ass. They're super brittle. They don't ship well. They don't store well. 99.7% of them are completely worthless. They're swing, big bandy, pop music-y, horrible foxtrot, just junk. However, occasionally we will run into some that are jazz or early rock and roll, like the Blue Note, the label has some 78s that we just picked up a couple of. So for sure, let your guy know that we just got some in that he might be interested in. Mm. So make that connection if you wouldn't mind. The whole cylinder thing, I mean, there's there's also reel-to-reel. We just got in a collection that had a, had a bunch of reel-to-reel tapes in it. And that's a little bit more of an audiophile thing. The reel-to-reel is supposed to be as good a dynamic range as vinyl. I don't know that I feel that necessarily on my player, but I think that it, that's supposed to be the case. So, yeah, we even we even got in uh, cassettes for the t- new Taylor Swift record. So there are always going to be a small percentage of people that are using these other formats to generate their joy, and I'm all for that. Have at it. You know what I mean? For sure. You know, when he was talking about these other rabbit holes, I I just realized the the amount of material out there is so staggering. You almost have to pick a lane or a couple lanes and say, these are my lanes. I'm going to investigate these fully until I'm tired of it. And then I'll pick another lane. You could just go down so many different avenues. And even this podcast, we've now played a hundred and what are we on? Like 175 songs. Mm -hmm. I've kept about 75 in a playlist that I like. And I can't remember any of these freaking bands. I might know 20 of them. Yeah, And I think part of it is that they're just, for me, they're just these files. There's no album associated with it. I haven't seen the cover necessarily or haven't studied it anyways. The band, pit photograph, the, the, the band symbol, and I haven't put it on my turntable. They're just files, so I haven't had that visceral contact with it, and that probably makes it harder for me to remember them. I think you're 100% right. I think that is 50% of why people still collect vinyl. 
the concept of the cover art, the concept of having to take the record out and do a little bit of work to hear those songs as opposed to just hitting your space bar. And we've talked about it before, you know, used to buy a record when I was a kid and you'd listen to that record for two weeks because you didn't, that's, that's when you got the next record versus now you can, you can refill that void with any number of songs, any time of the day, 24 hours a day from just by, you know, clicking the space bar and moving to the next song. So we've walked away from that concept of listening to an entire album, which I know you're pretty good at. You'll grab CDs and listen to them in the car. And I think that's awesome. And to your point, 100%, the reason you're not making any of the connections is because you're not seeing all the visual cues that would help bring that back into focus for you. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, and there's a few uh, there's a few albums I have purchased based on the songs we've done on this podcast, Single Bullet Theory and The Jolt, and those clearly I remember. Those Now I have a relationship with that music. Yeah, and that's what we're hoping, right? We want to try and turn people on to some of the songs that they hopefully haven't heard before in the past. Hopefully something sticks enough to, that they go out and seek out that record, and it does find their way into their soul exactly like the way that you were talking about. Again, I've lived with a lot of these songs for 30 years. Some of them are a little bit newer to me. Uh, but to be able to share those and hopefully get somebody else as excited about them as I am is is why we do this. I will say this. The playlist that I've created of, of those 75 songs is Kraken. It's good. So yeah. it's, we've, we've listened to a lot of good music on this podcast. For sure. And the, the we do still have the Spotify playlist that has all the songs that we've played on the podcast that are available on Spotify. And that is 1000 Greatest Misses. If you search that in playlists, it should come up. And people can refer back to that all they want. Spin, listen, enjoy. Yeah. And obviously we can only put on there what's available on Spotify, which is maybe a half or so. And I wanted to throw out there, a lot of our listeners listen to our podcast via Apple Music. And I wonder if somebody out there has both Spotify and Apple and could take our playlist and make it uh, an Apple playlist. I know that's doable oh, that with is- like a third-party app. It's not hard to do. Uh, but if somebody's out there who would be willing to do that, that'd be great. And then we'd have our Apple listeners able to access the same information. That would be awesome if somebody stepped up on that. We'd appreciate it. Okay, today we go to the letter R. That's our theme for this evening. Where are we going to kick things off? Well, I can't believe it took me till episode 37 to share this one. It's a huge favorite of mine in the world of the mixtapes that I've made. And I actually can't remember being a record collector without having this record in my collection somehow. So this is Riggs with a song called Christine. Christine,
1982, that was Riggs with their song Christine out of Knoxville, led by Jerry Riggs, who went on to join the Pat Travers Band the following year. This is from their one and only album, self-titled, from 82. Tell me about this tune. You clearly love it. Well, I love the fact that it starts with the chorus. You're 23 seconds into this song and you've heard the hook twice already. Yep. Can't beat that. Great guitar tone. Really great vocal performance, little Billy Squire-esque, little Derek St. Holmes-ish from uh, Whitford St. Holmes. Uh, Just a really solid song. And these guys, they actually had two songs on the heavy metal soundtrack, which would have fit in really well on our last soundtrack episode. Oh, yeah. Along with, like, Sammy Hagar's on that, and Cheap Trick, and Blue Oyster Cult, and Devo, and Journey. Um, And neither one of those would have been a great song for our show last week. But this one is off their self-titled debut, again, from 82 on Full Moon, and like I said, I can't remember a time that this wasn't, that this album, which is really, really good start to finish. And I could have picked probably four or five other songs that would have been just as good. But this one is one of my favorites from this record for sure. What's kind of neat is that it's in the key of E, but it doesn't go to E until the end of the chorus. And the verse doesn't go to E at all. So that's a little How can it be in the key of E and not go to E? Uh, because it doesn't resolve until the very end of the chorus. So if we're in... Um, Christine, can you see there, it finally resolves at the end. That wasn't played perfectly, but you get the idea. Well, now you're just showing off, dude. Well, it's kind of cool. that it's. Um, there's a song by Hall & Oates called uh, She's Gone. It never goes to the one chord. It never resolves the entire tune. Gotcha. Okay. It's really freaking cool. Huh. So so here's the thing. You said that we heard the, the, the chorus twice by 27 seconds. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, we're going to hear it again and again. <laughs> and again. And again. And again. <laughs> and again. It goes chorus first, which is kind of cool. Chorus first, chorus first, chorus. We're already, now we're only two minutes into the song and we've heard the chorus Three times times two, so six times. Right, right. So what does the band do? They solo over the chorus. Yeah, And then what do we do? We return to the chorus chorus for another four freaking times. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We get it. You have a good hook. It's really good. It sounds good. The singer is fabulous. They needed a freaking bridge or an instrumental section that didn't go over the chorus. I'll grant you that, but it's such a fun tune. And again... We can look back in retrospect. I do believe that a lot of I'm going to try and save your ass a little bit. I do believe a lot of these songs were written uh, to play live. So think about that. When you're playing live, man, you want to just you want to hit that chorus over and over again. You want to see them singing it back to you. You want to see the lighters lit up and the devil horns flying. I mean, that's the whole point of it. So again, when we go into the studio, we don't necessarily maybe edit the way we need to or add the parts that we need to. That's the producer's job. Uh, looks like. I don't even know who produced this record. It was... Oh, it sounds great. Holy shit, it's Andy Johns. He's a producer that's worked with the Stones. He did Exile on Main Street, for crying out loud, in television. No wonder this record sounds so good. Well, there you are. Yeah. So I didn't mean to crap all over your your song that you really like. I just wish... And oh, I, I, I'm used to it, Paul. <laughs> I think that's it's the, excellent. The t-shirts, the t-shirts are going to say, 1KGM on the front, and I crapped all over your song on the back. <laughs> yeah, I... You know what? 
pick up the album. I think you can find this album for six bucks. Excellent. Buy the record. If you like AOR, Sticks, Foreigner Journey, um, Bad Company, any of those bands, this is going to be like your new favorite band because it's it's top notch. I wish I would have done a little bit more um, digging as to who they like, what their live show was like, if they ever played out live, or if there were any videos of them uh, playing live on the YouTube. I may have to check that out because they were super super solid. Yeah, interesting this didn't get any traction and that they only lasted the one album because it seems like this would be right in the radio wheelhouse at that point. Yeah, 82 on, I mean, Full Moon was a distribute, was distributed by Warner Brothers, so it's not like they didn't have um, assets behind them. Yeah. So they had, they had some things that could have been done, but yeah, this one, they must have pissed somebody off at some point because <laughs> they're too good to be ignored. The record, the record cover is pretty terrible. Um, it's got a dog on the front that looks like it's kind of rabid, and then there's a few missiles. Yeah, it looks like no it's going to be a reason. punk record. Yeah, I could see that. The rigs is kind of like a stenciled thing. But then if you look at the back, you can totally tell exactly what they're going to sound like. The guy's got a P-Bass, Gibson Les Paul, Fender Stratton, lead singer, showing some chest hair. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Jerry Riggs, is uh, he's the man. Okay, next we go forward to 1990, a band called The Rave Ups. And their song called, For the Loser, parentheses, Hallelujah. You can take it day by day, I might not be here anyway. Hallelujah, for the loser. It don't matter much to me, certain things are hard to see. Hallelujah, I'm talking to you. Fortune smiles and fortune frowns Hallelujah, for the loser oh, You could win the lottery You might not share it all with me chance that was the rave ups with for the loser from 1990 uh from la via pittsburgh this is their third lp and their last until 2022 they released an ep in 83 then an lp in 85 and 88 prior to this release this band played a couple of tunes from the pretty in pink soundtrack i understand yeah i think that's probably where they're most well known for because they actually appear in the film uh, playing nice. their songs, just like the Plimsolls appeared in Valley Girl, the Rave Ups appear in Pretty in Pink, and they do Positively Lost Me in 
Rave Up, Shut Up, I think, are the two songs that they play. But yes, this is from their third album called Chance. And this is what I call final vinyl. And I don't know if this is the exact definition of that, but it kind of refers to records that came out right during that time when CDs were overtaking vinyl sales. CD sales were overtaking vinyl sales. And so they started to scale back on the production of the vinyl LP um, in favor of the CD. So final vinyl, a lot of times you'll see, um, because there were limited pressings of that record, they hold a little bit more of a value. Uh, but this one, this song I originally had on CD and found the album not that long ago and, and added it to my collection. Yeah, that's a little surprising that it would still be released on vinyl in 1990, especially from a band that probably didn't have a ton of followers at that point. You could see how you know, Rush in 1990 might still put out some vinyl. Yeah, and this is a true 1990 pressing. It's not like this was a more modern pressing. Mm-hmm. I think it fits in with bands like the Bodines or Dump Truck and just has a really positive feel to it. That that is it a mandolin, you think, playing that intro part? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it's a little bit long. That that intro's a little bit long, maybe, but they play that whole melody on the on the mandolin and I'm I'm down with that. And I've never heard of their producer David Leonard, but this record really sounds amazing. Um just the way that the the mix is done, the way that the clarity of all the instruments, I think it sounds great. I agree. It sounds terrific. The intro is basically Steve Winwood's Back in the High Life, but uh, faster. You're same, 100% same. right. Yeah. And yeah, then go- good call. It kind of goes into full jangle pop mode there, which I'm down with. It sounds a little bit, I thought, like Delamitri stuff or maybe um, Flash Forward Four Years, I Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, kind sure. Of, same kind of deal. And it's an interesting song progression. It, it, there's not really a chorus per se. It's sort of like an A-A-B-B and the title of the song is at the end of each A. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little less distinct verse, chorus, verse, chorus than you typically will hear. And then they have a bridge before going into a tasty guitar solo. I like that one a lot. Another sparse verse. It's it's a great sounding track. Yeah, I don't know if it's Americana or modern rock or alternative rock or pop rock. I don't really know where this one fits. All I know is that this one really sounds good with the top down. This is the one song from today's episode that Alice heard in the background when I was playing it in the kitchen and said something like, hey, that one actually sounds good. (laughs) It's palatable for the ladies. (laughs) Every once in a while, you got to throw one of those in. And this is streaming currently, which is great. And how much does this one cost on the market? Yeah, eight bucks. It's easy. Um, this was not not an expensive record. Next, we go to Nashville from a year prior, 1989. Royal Court of China with their song, Geared and Primed.
from their album of the same title, that was Geared and Primed by Royal Court of China. Their third and final release from 89. Two of the members would go on to some other things. Uh, Joe Blatton would later be in the band The Bluefields. Dan Baird would be with the Georgia Satellites. They sing, I had a vision that I was Alice Cooper and Johnny Rotten rolled up into one. Did they succeed? Let's discuss. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I think that this song just absolutely jumps out of the speakers. Uh, Vic Mail produced this one, and it almost sounds a little bit like Shout at the Devil era Motley Crue with the guitar parts coming in. Um, and then they do that cool double-time pre-chorus. But this record was picked up at the Mammoth Music Mart. And I think I've mentioned that before. If you're local to the Midwest, you probably have heard of the Mammoth Music Mart. They stopped doing it about 20 years ago, but you could go there um, every October and just buy media, records, CDs, tapes, all that good stuff at really, really good prices. So I picked this up there, had never heard of the band, had never, you know, it looked good for a buck and, and you know, why not? And it absolutely just blew me away. It's straight ahead rock and roll, really. It's it's one four, one five four, like any good blues progression, but with gritty vocals and a metal sounding guitar. And there's really nothing to it. It's perfectly innocuous, but it, it is jamming. Yeah, and I don't think that the rest of the album is quite as heavy. It's a little bit more on the alternative side, but I can definitely see, I mean, in 89, we're already starting to see that movement towards that being out of favor. So they kind of maybe tried to twist that into a more alternative type field. Uh, But really great stuff, great sound on the vocals. He's got a lot of attitude, for sure. And the guitar sound is just really, really good. This one is not available for streaming. That's a shame. You can find the record for five bucks. If you wanted it on vinyl. Uh Uh-huh. And I think not even on YouTube. Uh, Probably is. I didn't. I think everything's on YouTube, but that should just be like our de facto. (laughs) It's probably on YouTube. Somebody is posted somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we go to London from 1983, a band named after one of my favorite movies, but with two L's instead of one, Roman Holiday, H-O-L-L-I-D-A-Y, odd, and their song, I-O-U. Money cuts out the straw. 
1983, that was Roman Holiday with I.O.U. From their mini LP from 83, the same year that their song Don't Try to Stop It reached number 14 on the UK charts. So they got some traction there. And this song to me will always scream Record Bar in Northbrook Court. 1983, I was working there. Was a heavy metal kid until I started working there, and then I got turned on to all the alternative stuff like The Replacements and Husker Du and all that. But early on in that, this record came out, and we'd play this literally every night at closing time. This was the song that we played, and it's just it's just a fun song. It was kind of like Wham! a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit like um, Style Council a little bit, or Culture Club, or The Jam. But it's such a fun song. Well, you mentioned playing it at a record store, so immediately I thought of Jack Black playing Katrina and the Waves in High Fidelity. Right. And this yeah. sort of has the same vibe as that, I thought. Super peppy. Um, I love the the line, all I've got is an IOU, it comes to 142. Like He actually like shows what the amount of the IOU was, which I think is just super <laughs> clever. Um, I don't know a ton about the band. Um, this I did pull this from the mini LP um, that, we, that you referenced. Uh, but just a really good, clever use of chord progression and mood to set you to get the horns in the background. It's just a fun song. Yeah. It's a fun up-tempo tune, a nice chord progression with kind of a funky two, four bar thrown in there where you feel a little off kilter at the end of the verse. It, Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Um, Robert Bloom, our associate producer said it reminded him of the jams town called malice. And I think that's spot on. I listened to that as well. And it's very, very similar. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I mean, again, for me, having, this is, okay, so 83, it's been uh, 40 years since, holy shit, what in the world? (laughs) We don't need to get into numbers here. My goodness, yeah, so 40 years ago, we would play this at closing time, but I guess that that's the memory, that it completely brings me back to that time. I can remember exactly who I was working with. I can remember the sound of the gate closing on the record bar in the mall in Northbrook Court. I can remember the people walking around in their their track suits, getting their their steps in in 1983 before that was even a thing. I can remember the guy at Sparrow giving me the last couple of pieces of pizza because they hadn't um, sold them out. And the the, uh, Mrs. Fields cookie girl being super cute. So yes, (laughs) thank you, Roman Holiday and IOU for bringing back all those great memories. Excellent. And this one is on Spotify. Stream it up. So how about the mini EP? How much does that cost? Oh, it's five bucks. Oh, well, there you are. That's very reasonable. Snag it. Discogs, baby. For our last episode, excuse me, for our last song on today's episode. You you might have been just right with that. It might be our last episode. We keep sounding like this. We're done. Bob's going to exit stage left and fly the coop. (laughs) We go to New York with a band called The Rods and their song, Ace in the Hole.
From 81, that was The Rods with Ace and the Hole from their debut album, the first of several albums released in the 1980s before going on hiatus until about 10 years ago. Band member David Feinstein's cousin is Ronnie James Dio, so a good metal pedigree there. Yeah, I love that we went from Roman Holiday to the Rod. Yeah. If you look at the Roman Holiday EP cover, there's a guy that has like a sailor hat on, and they look like they're right out of Culture Club. And then the Rods, they look like the Ramones, leather jackets and, and whole ripped jeans uh, everywhere. So yeah, uh, the Rods were a heavy metal band out of New York. And I, I came to this record that was released on Arista as their debut after I had heard some of their later stuff. Mm. And so liked their later stuff and then kind of went back to this. And they definitely were a little bit more bluesy, a little bit more deep purple-ish um, on this early record. And I really like this song. It was written by Robert Fleischman oh, and actually I found his record. Yeah, I've got that record too. And it's actually got this song on it with his version. I may play that at a later date. Um but yeah, I, I I like this tune because it just it's not it's not so heavy that it plods along like Black Sabbath, and it's not so fast like more of the heavy metal bands. But it's just got that really nice groove to it, and I think David Feinstein is a really good vocalist. Maybe not as good as his cousin, but a great vocalist um, still. Yeah, agree. I think he pulls it off. And you know, you mentioned Robert Fleischman. He, unless it's a different Robert Fleischman co-wrote Wheel in the Sky for Journey and was going to be a singer in the band, I believe, before Steve Perry came along and clearly took precedence there. Same Robert Fleischman, and yes, nailed it. Yeah, he did co-write Wheel in the Sky. Okay. See, every once in a while, I got a little something up in the noggin. It all comes together every once in a while on 1KGM. I like this. uh, It's very simple, but this chord progression works nicely. I like that a lot. And then the pre-chorus is very simple, one, four, one, five, four, all minor key, minor chords. And then the chorus changes to a major key, so it's it sounds like an uplift there. Uh, the guitar solo goes on over the verse and pre-chorus before they th- sing the chorus one last time. It's very efficient, very effective. I think it's a decent track. Yeah, those opening chords are kind of haunting. They kind of draw you in. Again, yeah. I think that David um, Feinstein's vocals really kind of bring this over and above that. And I think he was actually in a band with Ronnie James Dio at one point called Elf, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so this one, uh, still available on vinyl uh, for around $15, if you can find it. Elf is another good movie. All the major food groups are represented. Sugar, (laughs) syrup, candy. (laughs) Will Ferrell at his best. Yeah. You can find this song on Spotify as well. So we've got quite a few on today's episode. Yeah, check out a lot of the Rod stuff. If this one speaks to you, by all means, check out the rest of their stuff. They did some some great stuff all, all along their career. And with that, episode 37 is in the can. Next week, we'll feature songs by... I am so excited about next week. Holy cow. We'll feature songs by All, Rocker, The Push-Ups, The Toms, and Dark Side. Every time I feel like I'm out of songs to share with you guys, I come up with some more. I think it's kind of cool. Our associate producer is Bob Bloom. And we want to thank our sponsor, David Gutierrez, and our previous sponsors, Steve Chamberlain and Chad Ingelgau. For all you listeners out there, we'd love to hear from you. For comments, questions, and corrections, visit us on Facebook at 1000 Greatest Misses, on Twitter slash X at 1000 underscore misses, or email us at 1000GreatestMisses at gmail.com. Like us, share us. We appreciate your support. 
Until next time, ladies and gents, that's the end of the show. I met a girl with a record collection. I showered her with love and affection. She turned me on to sounds I'd never